Welcome to a new season of the Choral Project's No Baton Needed podcast. Chris Wilmore here, a bass in the choir and the executive audio engineer of the podcast. This season, No Baton Needed will focus on the history of the organization, celebrating the Choral Project's 25th anniversary season by interviewing longtime friends and players in the choir's tenure, and the future of choral music, highlighting conversations with up-and-coming composers and figures in the choral community. For this episode, we're excited to speak with a former member of the Choral Project's choir, and three-time winner of San Francisco Classical Voices Audience Choice Award for Best Jazz Vocalist, Juanita Harris. Here's Daniel. Well, hello, Juanita. It's been a while. It's been a while. Welcome to our podcast. Very excited to have you on this season. We're talking about the Choral Project's history as it speaks to our musicians and our programming and our leaders and whatnot, as, as well as talking about the future, our future, choral music's future. I think the last time we actually worked together was at a Winter's Gifts concert, maybe two or three years ago. It was 28, was it 2018? Yes, it was three years ago. I think it was three years ago. Uh, It feels like a decade. (laughs) This last year has been so strange. No kidding. So you sang with the Choral Project from 2005 to 2008, and those were golden years that it was very exciting time for the group. But since then, you've gone on to do some very extraordinary things on your own in the world of music and theater. And so for the benefit of our listeners and our patrons, um, and me, because there will likely be things that, oh, I didn't know that. Can you share some of your highlights um, in your career that you've had since leaving the Choral Project? Like, you could do a top 10 things if you want, or, you know, just a handful of them. Uh, well, you know, it's really funny. Whenever people ask me these things, it's like, I haven't done anything really big, but apparently I've some of the things I do are bigger than I think they are. Um, so I became a singer for UNICEF, and I travel to uh, Europe pretty much annually for the past five or six years to sing in Germany. And I actually just got my invitation yesterday <laughs> to go back, so I'm very excited. Oh, fantastic. Um, I have done uh, a few shows around the Bay Area where I have either directed and or music directed. Let's see. I... Um, uh, help me out here, Daniel. You did. A, you had a gospel choir for a while. Well, yes. Oh God, that was ages ago. Yeah, I did form a gospel choir for a while. It didn't go as as well as I had hoped. It was it was extenuating circumstances. It was a it was a way to try and uh, try and keep me lifted. It came it came at a very interest a very very difficult time, and I had to let go of the sales on that one. So, um, it was fun though. It, I learned a lot of stuff. I learned that. Starting a choir is no effing joke. I do not have the stones to deal with people en masse. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I admire you and every other choir director I've ever met because how do you herd the cats and the snakes and the armadillos all at once <laughs> and keep them? In, in, oh, it's just crazy. But um, yeah, I did. I did have a choir for a bit. Good Lord. I moved to Paris for a year. That was a golden time, wasn't it? Which was a fantastic time. 10 out of 10, do recommend. Uh, Let me see. I've been doing international travel and uh, singing internationally. And I've been doing a lot of straight plays. So everybody thinks, you know, I've been, you know, any kind of play I do is usually a musical. And I have been hired to do more straight plays actually in the past like three or four years. And I've, then, then I've done musicals. Oh, that's exciting. It's very exciting because, yeah, I don't have the 
the music to lean on. I just have to like be myself and act and stuff like that. It's like, I can do this too. This is cool. Very good. Got some amazing roles and I know I'm forgetting a whole bunch of stuff. So two follow-up questions to that. One, uh, what are some of the Bay Area roles that you've had in musicals or straight plays that really... Well, uh, I play, well, my, so this one came at like the end of my deciding I wanted to do, you know, a lot of musicals. In 2018, I did Eveline. Oh, yes. I've wanted to play that part since I was like, you know, 12. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, come on. It, it just makes sense. Oh, uh, Motormouth. I did Motormouth twice. I did uh, Sarah's Friend and what's that show called? What's that show called? Rat, Rat, Rat Time. <laughs> and, um, oh, I've had some other really great parts in the, uh, I recently, a memory came up on Facebook of uh, All Shook Up. I played uh, this, this black honky-tonk owner who falls in love with, with one, of the, one of the main characters and shit. Oh, excuse me. Can I cuss on here or no? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Sarah's friend, Motormouth, Eveline. Oh God, how many shows have I done? I'd have to go look at my CD. It's okay. This is a this is a good sort of um, like a quilt, you know, sort of a, a patchwork overview. Do you played Violet in the Future Adventures of Hedda Gabler? Yes. I did not play Violet. I played uh, uh, Mammy. Oh, got it. And the further adventures of further adventures of, and I was also in Violet. Oh, Violet, there's got it. Violet is another show. Got it. And then you had mentioned about not being comfortable working with singers in mass. Is there a maximum number that makes you feel comfortable, or you know what, you know that that eight voice acapella thing? Yeah. I think that's like my limit. I, you know, trying to get, you know, it's that, that was a really big learning experience for me. I mean, you know, having to be in charge of all the music and. And all that type of thing and making sure you know everybody's got all the tracks and stuff like that to learn stuff and yada 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 but yeah i think i i like a more intimate ensemble i think a lot of that comes oh i also play violin or i haven't you know i used to play violin i was going to be my profession before i became a singer uh, i was planning on being a professional violinist and um i think that's where i got the whole thing about uh uh, uh doing a small ensemble work because i was I had attended and was a coach for the Sequoia Chamber Music Workshop um, up in Humboldt County for many, many years, back when I was just in and out of high school. And, you know, playing in groups of four and, and you know, bigger groups of eight and, you know, anything in between is just, I love that dynamic. I think that's exactly where it comes from, is that I absolutely adore the dynamic of of just a nice intimate group being able to to have that connection you know really nice and rooted and performing and expressing this this piece i really i really kind of jive on that yeah i i had a really great opportunity when i was in high school to be part of a piano trio which i know you also are in um right now because the shenanigans shenanigans but um, it, there is something really special about making that kind of music, I, and I miss it. It's, and it's great repertoire. Mm -hmm. So this is a really good segue, because um, my next question is that I believe you and all your siblings had to learn to play musical instruments as children. Is that true? Well, yes, that is true. You started at like around six, right? That's true. Mom was always a lover of music, and uh, she encouraged everybody to at least have piano lessons. So she kind of started everybody everybody on piano lessons, and then after like two or three years of that, she said, "Okay, go ahead and pick an instrument next time you go to you know when you go when you uh, 
when you get into, you know, band, school band or anything like that. And a brother took saxophone, another took trumpet, you know, stuff like that. I, I took up uh, piano when I was six and I kind of just became that weird kid who always did her, always practiced and always did the theory homework and always did the, you know, I was always playing on the piano and I really just thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, became uh, quite proficient in it and decided quite early that, yeah, this is, this is, this kind of works for me. So, and everybody else in my family, of course, was going into computers because, you know, Silicon Valley, I grew up before Silicon Valley became Silicon Valley. So I was kind of like the, <laughs> I was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> I think I was the only one who didn't go into computers. I, I took my share of computer classes and my father tried to push me as much as possible. I said, no, nah, dad, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. But yeah, uh, so I went from piano at six to, what was it? I think violin at eight, guitar at 10. And then I just kind of started, you know, pulling in things that I wanted to, you know, throughout the years over those several yeah, I was always a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a music nerd. Well, that's what we love about you. <laughs> While you and your siblings were all in that stage of playing musical instruments, did you ever play together as a group? Oh, no. It was all separate. It was, it was well, and also because we were all kind of, um, the family kind of just, you know, they, they uh, we weren't really ever in the same house. So my parents started their family in Minnesota, then moved to Wisconsin, then came to Palo Alto. And by that time, when they moved to Palo Alto, they had already had seven kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And ranging from, ooh, wow, my sister was... 21 when i was born so we're talking my oldest sister my oldest sibling was maybe like 16 when they moved over here and the young the youngest was a you know had just been born and when they everybody moved to sunnyvale by the time i grew up everybody half of the siblings were out of the house so that didn't happen so by the time i was six there were only like three of us and so yeah we didn't get a chance to do that my brothers tortured the fuck out of me do you still have family in the bay area I do. Uh, yeah, I have a brother, Hugh. He's over in Hayward. And my brother, Alan, who's in San Jose still. So do you have, of all those instruments that you've rattled off, is there a favorite instrument to play or a different favorite musical instrument you prefer to listen to? I had a lot of fun playing bass. I had to sell my bass after a while, but I had a lot of fun playing bass because, you know, being the music nerd that I am, when I listen to stuff, I always listen to the bass because the bass kind of just runs everything. You know, so I always, uh, I've memorized bass lines in music that I was listening to, you know. And uh, so I, I really loved everything about the bass, you know, how it felt, and, you know, different patterns you could play. And, you know, and then I would try to slap. Oh, I sucked at slapping. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I still enjoyed listening to the violin, even though I can't play it anymore. And I had to, so when I was in, uh, uh, in college, I was going to do a competition playing the last movement of Beethoven's D major concerto. And I was getting it and I was getting it and I was getting it and I'm going like that. And all of a sudden my left hand just stopped moving. 
and I didn't know what was wrong. And so I, I can't make my, my brain is not talking to my left hand, found out that I had severe carpal tunnel. Oh my gosh. And had to stop playing, and I avoided getting cortisone shots and going down that road, and I just just kind of backed away from it, and that's kind of when I started singing, actually. But I still love listening to classical music I a lot. I, I, I still love symphonies. I still love all of that stuff. Do you have sort of an apex favorite solo violin work? It's always been Beethoven's C major concerto. It's a great concerto. It is. It's always been that. I mean, as many as I've heard and tried to work on the Gluck and, and uh, you know, Tchaikovsky and all these things, Beethoven just reigns over all. And especially, mm. oh God, I fell in love with Zeno Franciscani's recording. That's the recording I had growing up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I just I memorize it every every timbre of every note. I know and it's like you can't fool me with another psych. You know, I that isn't Zeno Franciscotti. I don't know who that is, but I ain't him. So let's talk a little bit about your music education. So we, we know you're a Bay Area native, and uh -huh. but you attended Berkeley School of Music in Boston, and I'd love to hear about what your trajectory in music education was like and how it landed you back in California, things like that. Oh, good lord. I wasn't expecting to tell my life story. <laughs> but uh, my music education kind of really started in high school because uh, once we realized, my parents realized that I couldn't get the instruction through school, through public school, that I would have to, they signed me up for private lessons. And I had actually a private lesson, uh, a private lesson, a private teacher who actually taught me violin and piano consecutively. And it was kind of cool. So I would have either, I would either go to her thing twice a week or I'd just have a two hour lesson and do an hour of piano, do an hour of violin. It's actually kind of cool. Um, so I did that most of high school. And also I uh, went into uh, the San Francisco Conservatory of Music's preparatory program throughout the majority of my high school uh, time. And then after that, I just kind of floated around. I think I went to Danza for a couple of years and I landed it. I landed in their string ensemble, and I think I did some jazz. Where actually, that's where my jazz vocals started. And then, yes, and then I took off for uh, Humboldt for a few years, and that was who was doing the chamber music workshop. So I got to study with uh, with them for a bit, and then I moved to the Berkeley College of Music. I think it was ninety three, ninety four, and uh, moved uh, to Boston. And that was a fantastic time. That was a really wonderful place to be because you got so many people from all around the globe learning music, and it was just so much fun. My best friend out of there lives in Denmark, and I got to be a singer for a jazz band made of nothing but funky-ass Germans, and it was, ah, oh, it was so cool. Oh, it was amazing. Um, so many things to learn. So many things I didn't even think about learning when I, you know, because I'm classically trained. So I, you know, I, I didn't know how to improvise either piano or violin and uh, was just learning how to improvise vocally. And so that's where I got a lot of my, my push to, to do a lot more jazz and be a little bit more proficient in the craft and chord scales. Oh, God, I hated that class. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Berkeley was a great, great experience. And unfortunately, at the time, they weren't able to give master's level degrees. But they had those kind of classes. 
So I, I realized long after the fact that I took a lot of classes that I probably could have gotten a larger, bigger degree in than the bachelor's that I walked away with. But um, it was a fantastic experience just in meeting people and just the, the stuff to learn. And um, it was incredible. Absolutely loved it. That sounds thrilling. Yeah, it was really wonderful. And there is really something special when you go to an institute like that and you're surrounded by such talent. It, yeah, it sharpens your own. It really yourself, does. I mean, because yeah. you know, you are you know, you know, living down here, you know, you're a little, you're a big fish in a relatively small pond. But when you go over there, man, you are just a fish, and it is really kind of cool. I was like, all right, kind of learn for these sons of bitches. <laughs> Make this happen. It's a lot of fun. That's thrilling. So then, fast forward to your time with the Coral Project. From your point of view, what was the world of choral music like in the Bay Area around that time? I I hadn't thought about it, to be very honest. Um, I was new to it. And uh, once I actually got in the choral project, of course, I started paying attention to it. And I found that the choral project was, yeah, after the first year, I realized, like, okay, this is the choir I want to be in. This is, this, is, this is the one. The choral project was by far the best choir choir in the area as far as i could tell from what the you know i could see and uh yeah that was that was definitely proven by many of the other choirs i would go see and it's like hmm yeah no i i i'm i'm where i'm supposed to be this is good this is good no you 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 really had the you you got the you got the goods. <laughs> well, it was a thrill having you in the group. Um, Thank you. While you were there, was there a, a particular favorite song that you remember, like one that really stuck with you, or a solo moment of some of the material that you soloed on that really stuck with you? There are so many things. Um, well, so many things that stuck with me. Bawa is one of them. I still get uh. called Bawa. <laughs> Nobody will let me live that down. Nobody will let me live that down. So for the people who don't know what she's referencing, there's a song called The Songbird and the Eagle, and we did it twice. It's by Kim Sherman. As a composition from the audience standpoint, it's really an extraordinarily effective work. It's just the choral parts are really difficult, not always very satisfying to sing. And the choir... Um, one of the things the choir does is imitates the sound of woodland creatures, and one of the creatures had had to go ba wa ba wa, and that was Juanita solo. Yeah. So. Well, and and you know, my name being Juanita, I mean, sure. It's kind of like, a, what else are you gonna do? Um, but what was to my favorite? Well, you know, rain was always pretty freaking cool. Is that the famine song? The one. Yeah, rain, rain, yeah, fa famine song. Oh, yeah, I love that one. It's a great piece. And, you know, what was, the, I can't remember the name of the uh, uh, the song that, uh, in Laughlin that we lost to. The fast one. Oh, the Rotalia, the diggy, 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 That whole collection of work was pretty, pretty amazing. That really was. The Unclosed Ring by Juris Carlson sits in Latvian, yeah. That was amazing to me. That's an extraordinary composition. It was amazing. 
thoroughly enjoyed that. Do you have solos that you remember doing? Because we, we featured you a lot, rightfully so. Oh, I thank you. You know what? I can't remember any of them. Not because that they weren't memorable, but because my brain is just like that. I just, you know, something. If can you remember, you recall any of things I've done? There's a lot of the stuff that you did in the Tell the World concert. We all the gospel and spirituals. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. The stuff that I did with Michelle and all that. Oh my Correct. God, yes. Oh my God, you know that comes up in my thing every now and again. I was like, ah, it was fun. Those are fun, fun Worthy concert. Worthy to be praised. Okay, Worthy to be praised was yeah. pretty awesome. That piece has been used as a sample in several workshops that I've seen where people are talking about the gospel style and then they play it as an example. Here's a group that does it really well and it gets to your solo. Yeah, it's, it's, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really great. That's nifty. Yeah, and you oh, sound, that was, you sound that was amazing. Great. And then of course there's Ezekiel Sadawil and that, which. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. And then. Stand by me was that one that that Ruth Winter composed, composed um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and that that piece in particular is really a vehicle for you. It was yeah, extraordinary. That was yeah, gosh, that was so long ago. I just you know, I'm one of those people. It's like yay, that's over there. <laughs> My brain doesn't hold on to a lot of stuff. That's all right. So while we're talking about you as a vocal soloist, we can't avoid talking about your best jazz vocalist in the Bay Area Award from the San Francisco Classical Voice Audience Choice Awards, which is such a big deal. It, it must feel as special, um, especially that you received that award for a number of years. So uh, let's talk about that a bit. Okay, well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I didn't even know I was being nominated for it until somebody said, hey, you got this nomination. It's like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, they give me the link and I look it up. It's like, oh, okay. And uh, apparently I rate in the jazz world in the Bay Area. And I think that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And I, and I got it for three years running. That was pretty amazing. 2016 through 19. And considering how many jazz musicians there are in the Bay Area. That... I know. And the last one, well, who was, who was I up against? Oh, gosh. What's her name? But some, you know, acclaimed Grammy winning, you know, singer is on this list and I beat her out. I was like, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense, but okay. Thank you. That's very exciting. It's very cool. It's very cool to know that, I, that people like me like that. It's very nice. So now that the world is starting to open up because you know the COVID restrictions are expanding, are you planning to rehearse something or do you have a performance? I know that you mentioned the UNICEF opportunity to go back to Germany. Are there other things lining up now? Well, yeah, actually, I just my first actual in person performance was about three weeks ago. Um, I did kind of like this uh, private pop up dinner party type of thing for for a friend who I was actually in ragtime with many years ago. And uh, he wanted a couple of singers and uh, me and this other singer went over there and we just sang a whole bunch of jazz standards while they did this pop-up dinner of i think it was it was during juneteenth that's right it was during juneteenth and i think they did primarily black centered dishes and it turned out really wonderful it was a it was just a wonderful scene i mean and i i was really kind of taken aback with how much i had missed it you know because uh, you know i don't know if anybody else you know, feels this way, but you know, having been in isolation, I kind of got it's like, ooh, I, I don't hate being alone, 
you know, I don't mind not being around a lot of people, <laughs> but going actually going out and doing this gig and to be around the chatter and, you know, the clashing of dishes and people laughing and some listening and, you know, dancing and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what it's about for me. This is what it's about for me to be kind of like amongst people who are having a good time and, you know, sometimes it's there to entertain people over dinner and sometimes, you know, people are focused on me, but it's really, I realized at that point, it's like, yeah, I really miss this. And it was really nice. And I think it really hit when I, um, I did the first in-person church service with uh, Prince of Peace in, uh, in Saratoga and uh, did some stuff for Barbara Day Turner and did a couple of solos. And wow, if, and I don't go to church. I am not a church-going person, but I was actually, I was taken up by the Spirit in a Lutheran church of all places. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really nice. I mean, they're such a wonderful congregation. I always go back there because that congregation is just sweet as hell. I just love those people. They're just really wonderful. Everybody, everybody in that building was vaccinated. Everybody in that building wore a mask. No questions, nothing like that. I mean, unless you were had to sing, you know, you, you took your mask off to sing, you put it back on. And it was just, it was safe. It was nice. And it was just beautiful to be in person again. It really, really was. That's wonderful. Yeah. So um, actually in, is it next week? Next week I'm in Tabard with uh, 19 doing some jazz standards with a big band mm. and i don't have the information for that yet because i don't know how to promote myself very well and then actually at the end of next month i'm actually doing another gig we're doing the hello fitzgerald chick webb gig again also with uh 19 also at tabard if people go to the tabard theater website will they find those events they should and i believe that's tabardtheater.org and uh, i think it's theater with an arnie and uh, actually between August and Germany, I don't think I have anything on the books right now. But those are the two, next two coming up. That's exciting. Yeah. You, you mentioned Juneteenth, and I wanted to loop back around to that and talk to you about how you feel about it now becoming a federal holiday and thoughts around all of that. Honestly, I think it's, you know, it's a little, as, as usual, it's always a little, you know, too much, too little, too late type of thing. This is a very interesting time to be living in because, uh, <laughs> yeah, the racial issues occurring now are, I'm kind of glad to watch it. It's been a long time coming. I think the Juneteenth holiday was, was simply just another bomb. It's like, okay, let's just give them something so that they'll calm down and they'll just quit bugging us and, you know, all right, fine. But, you know... A, Again, this whole thing about the critical race theory being taught in schools, that needs to happen. And it needs to happen without any kind of restriction or or anything. It just needs to happen. And, you know, it amazes me. I, I think I saw a meme go by. It's like, I can't believe I live in a country where people don't want history teachers to teach the truth about our history. And uh, I think that resonated quite a bit with me because yeah that's how i feel that's how i feel about it and i don't know if, how much more i could say about it without actually getting a little bit uh heated yeah for a better word. understandably 
that's definitely a viewpoint that I've heard from most of the people I know and, and that I hold that it's, it just felt like a bandaid and yeah, it's but, unfortunate because it's like, it's just a bandaid to just keep the peace. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't. It's totally fine. I get it. <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast interview for sure. But I do appreciate your viewpoint on that and, and, and your thoughts and your feelings around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so as we look now towards the more about the future, um, what about your future? Do you have goals or ideas or a vision of where you see yourself in five or 10 years from now? Dreams of things that you would love to realize or do? I think my dream of, of moving out of the country still exists. I still, I'm actually trying to move to Germany. So over the years, I actually, I, the least, the last time I checked, I had a little bit of a following over there. And um, I would like to pursue that at some point. And hopefully I can go over there and, and stay for a little longer than, I, I don't even know, you know, I got to check what the visas are now because, you know, it used to be 90 days and then you got to get out the country something like that but i gotta figure out a way to get over there i and i would like to be teaching and performing probably until until i uh breathe my last to be very honest with you i'm the same do nothing but te teach and perform for the rest of my life yeah i won't retire until my body just says that you're not able to do this anymore mm -hmm. yeah in Germany, um, the, obviously your connection to Germany has developed because you've been going back to do these UNICEF gigs there. When you do those gigs, is it all over the country or is it in one specific spot? It happens to be in a specific area in southern Germany. So mostly uh, we've done shows in Dusseldorf, Cologne. Uh, what's the other one? They stay pretty much in Dusseldorf, Cologne, and Hilden, and Neuss. That's the other one, Neuss. So they're in a relatively, it's a pretty secluded area. Uh, not secluded, but I mean, it's just, it's one faction of UNICEF. And this faction is just in that area. And uh, so I, yeah, I wouldn't, I would like to, you know, I would like to get up to Berlin. I haven't been up to Berlin yet. Yeah. And theater, theater in Berlin, musical theater, especially is really amazing. Mm hmm. Would you want to live in that area that you've been performing with with UNICEF, or would you want to be in a, ma a more major metropolitan area? I kind of like just being on the edge of the metropolitan area. I don't know if I could be in it, but I like the edge. I like to be far enough that I can get away from it, but close enough that I can go to it without bitching about it. <laughs> right. So I'm an outskirts kind of girl. Well, and that southern area that you're talking about is breathtaking. When you've got the 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 Alps are there, it's 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 gorgeous. I remember seeing growing up these fantastical romantic paintings by German painters, and you'd see these landscapes, and I would just look at them and go, "Ugh, it's nothing like that exists. This is just out of someone's imagination." And then when I went there on tour with the choir, I'm like. Oh my goodness, this is actually those paintings I've been looking at. They really does exist. <laughs> they do, um, UNICEF does a summer concert actually in a place in Austria called Filzmus. Oh. F I L Z M O O S. And it's a little ski town. And so it's just kind of nestled in this little valley and it just rises up to this majestic freaking peak. Just, it's. 
Oh, and of course, you know, in the in the you know in the off season in the summer when we go, it's just verdant. It's just nothing but greenery. Mm-hmm. You know, the the rivers are flowing through the town and all this type of thing. And then you get these you know pictures, and the pictures it's just like covered in in frosting. It's just so amazing. Oh, how thrilling! Well, I'll envy you when you when you go. <laughs> it is breathtaking. Okay, so now a couple of lighter playful questions, even though you don't necessarily use one. If you had a performance writer, what would be the one thing you couldn't live without? What couldn't I live without? You know what? Like uh, a sparkling water. Even though it makes me burp. <laughs> I love spark. I mean, I, I like water in general, but sparkling water and especially some with, you know, you know, give me just like a little uh like a little berry little hint in there i would have to have just just bottles and bottles of sparkling water i absolutely adore well who i know it i'll get you for christmas who knew (laughs) pack it in with some gin it's totally cool okay i can do that and then we ask all of our podcasts about the conducting baton because no baton needed is the title of our our podcast and so you've done some conducting, and what are your thoughts around the baton? We ask everybody this question, you know, do you love when it's used? Do you hate it? Have you used one yourself? Tell us, tell us everything. <laughs> I've used one, and um, I think it's nice, if you, if you have a really well-balanced one, it's, it's, it's kind of sweet. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you have a really well-balanced one, you can just kind of just, you know, hold it like this without any tension in the... In the hand and just let your hand do the work and you know let it bounce where it needs to bounce it's like all right this this works generally i work with my hands generally i just kind of just put them both up flat and just try and get out the the clearest beats i can give out but i if i could have a baton i, I would kind of prefer a baton mm. personally yeah I, I like i like a good baton it's got to be balanced it's got to be good it has to be good yeah I, there are really wonderfully made batons, but not every baton is good for every person. So you really do have to. And you also have the, you know, they got they got the round ball. They got the kind of elongated thing going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just gotta find one that sits right for you, and it's just, you know, it doesn't actually add anything to your hand. It's just an extension of your hand as it's supposed to be, and just kind of just ticks that beat just where you need it. We come now to the last part of our interview, which is always a lightning round. We fire off some questions. Sometimes it's, do you prefer this or that or anything? So we have a little lightning round for you. So no, no thinking, just fast answers. Okay. Favorite musical? Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, Hamilton. Favorite jazz musician? Carmen McRae. Oh. Favorite vocalist? Tina Turner. Oh, great. <laughs> Favorite cabaret or small performance venue in the Bay Area? Uh, Tabard. Oh, okay. Favorite role you've ever played? Uh, Motormouth. That's a great role. Favorite restaurant in the Bay Area? Oh, Jesus. Uh, a restaurant in ages. What's that? Uh, the New Mexico? Luna. Oh, I haven't been there. Good. It's a good one. Good. And then lastly, favorite song? I used to visit all the very gay places. Those distant gay traces that used to be there, you could see where they'd been washed away by too many through the day. 
12 o'clock day. That's Lush Life. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great song. Well, Juanita. Yes, I, Daniel. I, I've really missed you. <laughs> <laughs> I missed you too. It's, yeah, it's been too long. And uh, I'm so excited about what life is giving you and presenting you and the opportunities that you have coming your way and they're well deserved and and the world deserves to be touched by your talent for sure oh, thank you so much thank you for taking the time to let us catch up with you and share more about you with our our podcast viewers and sure sure absolutely what a blessing thank you for listening to the coral project's no baton needed podcast If you're interested in supporting the podcast, please subscribe to and rate it on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast streaming service you use. Doing so helps appease the algorithm monsters and goes a long way in getting new listeners. And of course, sharing a link of your favorite episode of No Baton Needed on social media does wonders to spread the word. Thanks again for listening. See you next month. Thank mm-hmm. you.